everyone. I'm Zach Miller, Tearsheets Editor-in-Chief. Um, we're here for the inaugural Lendex Talks. And joining me on this one is Lena Van, SVP Head of Real Estate Secured Lending, Product and Risk Management for TD Bank, also known as America's Most Convenient Bank. Um, our fireside chat today will focus on the evolution of lending to communities of color since the inception of mortgages to present day from the unique and personal perspective of someone who grew up in a disenfranchised urban community and later joined the industry. Lena Van, Head of Real Estate Secured Lending, Product and Risk Management at TD Bank, will highlight the progress made, today's economic changes, and how they impact the attainability of home ownership for minorities. She'll also provide an outlook on what can make the mortgage process more inclusive while balancing risk, appetite, regulatory requirements, and other lender considerations. Welcome, Lena. Uh, thanks, Zach. Good to be with you. Um, normally, I would introduce you here, but I think um, because who you are plays a big role in the conversation that we're going to have today, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and how your experience as a person growing up in an urban community ended up with you being executive at a top bank. Okay. Um, so for me, Zach, I grew up in North Philadelphia, I mean, you know, and I grew up in a time frame when, you know, coming into neighborhoods that were already established, they, you know, looked fine when you first get in as a little kid. But as you continue to, you know, grow into your adolescent years, really start to uh, see the neighborhood change. Um, there were a lot of uh, disenfranchised people in the neighborhoods. You've got homes that were abandoned, some board ups. Uh, a lot of like empty lots and debris and trash and, and things there. And, and the businesses started, uh, you know, leaving the community as well and not a lot of reinvestment to, to bring businesses back. And uh, when I was a kid, I would just uh, bug my parents all the time talking about, wow, see that abandoned building right there? That could be, we could take that little factory and that could be a lot of apartment buildings. Or, oh, wow, they should fix those up and remodel those houses and they can look good. And what if we had like a garden or something here instead of empty lots? And they would just look at me and shake their head like, where does this little person come up with like all of these <laughs> thoughts in her head? But uh, that's kind of like the way I saw it. I always saw um, the good things in the neighborhood. The architecture um, in Philadelphia was beautiful, you know, in terms of the way that some of the homes are set up and styled. But uh, when I start, you know, getting older and start, you know, graduating college and getting out in the workforce, I always wanted to, you know, work, you know, with the, with the companies that were interested in reinvesting in areas like I grew up in and, and, and doing programs and products and, you know, different types of partnerships to try to bring some revitalization back to the neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, this is this is why for me, I'm proud to work at TD Bank because we're doing a lot of those things there. And we're trying to do like a lot of um, education and, and help uh, helping the black and brown communities to try to educate folks on, you know, mortgage products and, and, and you know, different types of resources to help them understand uh, what it takes to own homes and keep homes. And we're doing the best that we can to try to bridge the uh, home ownership gap. Well, welcome, Lena. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, and as a veteran in the industry, obviously, you've seen a lot in the mortgage business over the years. Can you give some historical context around the evolution of mortgage policy and its impact on communities of color? I guess where we came from and where we are today. Okay, sure, sure. So, I, I mean, I think we would. I think we have. Let's set a premise that we can all agree on that you know equity in your home is just a great wealth builder. 
So when you go back to like the era of the Great Depression and those those years were like uh, 1929 to 1941, for those who may not be familiar, there was just a lot of policy that was passed during that time that, that just did not uh, bode well for uh, African-American black people and black communities um, as it relates to trying to help them, you know, gain gener- generational wealth and home ownership. Uh, some of the policies, you know, segregated the housing. And you have one in particular, one that I'm going to focus on a little bit is the redlining policy mm-hmm. that was uh, set out by the uh, homeowners lending homeowners loan corporation. And what this organization did is that they went and identified like black areas on these. Uh, they were like red. They called them red security maps. Mm-hmm. And they would identify shade and red the black areas and and indicate to, you know, like notify appraisers and saying, hey, listen, in these areas is too risky, you know, to lend here. The areas are hazardous, et cetera. And, then, you know, that's to the appraisers who, again, do what? Assess the value of properties, right? So, you know, in 1934, the Federal Housing Administration was stood up and they heavily relied on that practice of redlining because they had approved lenders that used to do loans with them. And they would say, hey, listen, we're not insuring loans in these areas. So if you think about just black communities, um, we were not able to gain appreciation in our homes. We couldn't build that um, equity. We couldn't build that wealth where our white uh, working class counterparts were able to do that. So when you take that, that time period and those policies, and then you look decades ahead, it set us back for, for decades, for generations, to be quite honest. So, you know, those that was like one of the main policies that uh, helped, bring, you know, helped widen that uh, generational wealth gap between uh, black and uh, white communities, for sure. So, so you know. You're really describing something systemic and, and self-perpetuated, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to think about, you know, like, how do you how do you get out of those uh, systems? I, I call them systems at any rate. But, you know, to be clear, there there are also other uh, socioeconomic obstacles that keep black people, you know, black home black home ownership rates lagging. You know, it's just again, it, it stems back to the home because you don't have that that equity wealth to send your kids to college, you know, get higher paying jobs. You have more debt. So, you know, there are other things out there. That, that are part of that problem, for sure, for sure. So, uh, um, you know, even though those were not the best policies that the government um, issued, you know, they were really trying to solve for a problem because at that time the economy was in, in disarray and a lot of people were losing their homes. But I have to say that, you know, moving forward, the federal government, they, they've done a lot of work over the years, you know, from a policy perspective. Um, you know, they established the Veterans Administration, the housing of uh, urban development, the HUD, you know, Jenny May, the, the GSEs, Fannie and Freddie. Um, they had the um, HARP uh, that they put into, uh, uh, you know, that they enacted in, in 2008 when we had, again, another credit crisis, which was reminiscent of, again, let's go back to the, the, the Great Depression, because if we hadn't got that legislation then, we could have been in a world of trouble. And and then, you know, most recently, the Dodd-Frank Act, you know, which, you know, established the CFPB, where, you know, it gives more oversight out there for consumers, because it wasn't, you know, we didn't really have one place 
where there was uh, oversight to help protect consumers. It was just like a sprinkle in this agency, that agency. But everything is now centered in, um, at the CFPB and they're protecting the rights of consumers and provide that oversight that's needed in, you know, in the consumer financial markets. So at the end of the day, I'm sorry about that. At the end of the day, we still got work to do because we have to, you know, equal access and affordability are still problems that we have to solve for. Yeah, it's definitely a work in progress, but it's interesting to see sort of, you know, how, how things have evolved. I guess over that time period, like, what do you see? I'm curious, like the biggest paradigm shift that you've observed in the mortgage space? Mm-hmm. I think that's a good question. I mean, from <laughs> from just starting in this business, we were trying to, you know, uh, get people in homes. So, you know, it's an emphasis on sustainability. You try to focus on getting everybody in a home, but now we're trying to focus on keeping people in their homes. And if you want to take it a step further, you know, we just talked a little bit ago about affordability. I mean, affordability is a definite issue for first-time home buyers. Um, I'll give you a little little bit of um, an interesting uh, comment here. When I started in the mortgage business, uh, the Fannie Mae conforming loan amount for a single family unit was uh, slightly north of one hundred and eighty seven thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. said from 2006 to uh, 2016, the conforming loan amount was four seventeen. Uh, you know, still doable mm-hmm. right now. Right now, we factor into this that the, um, you know, high, high rents and property values and all like that, the the Fannie Mae. Um, conforming unit now is $726,200. I I just can't understand how people are going to be able to afford these homes. You've got a lot of millennials out there looking to get their first home. And, you know, with interest rates so high. That's exactly right. The affordability is definitely a problem. So, you know, we're facing some headwinds in this space and we've got to try to solve for that, come up with more, you know, sustainable solutions to help these folks. What do you feel are some of the biggest misconceptions that keep communities of color and under other underserved populations uh, from becoming homeowners? Okay, so I, I think it's I think it's a couple, but I'm going to uh, I want to focus on two, you know, two that I believe are, are the ones that really stop people from thinking they can't get homes. And the first is down payment. I think it's a misconception in, in uh, communities of color that you got you have to be debt free and you got to have twenty percent down. That's an old paradigm. It's just not true. You know, um, in fact, at our company, the TD did a recent survey and they uh, spoke with like a thousand Americans uh, who planned on, you know, purchasing a home this year. And out of the data that they got back, 41 percent of black non-Hispanic first time home buyers uh, said that saving money for the down payment prevented them from purchasing a home. Hmm. So. Down payment is still a, is still a big factor out there in communities of color. Um, the second point is that people mistakenly believe they have to have perfect credit to buy a home. So don't get me wrong. You got to have, you absolutely should be in good standing and have good credit. But you don't have to have perfect credit. You know, there are, there are lenders that have, you know, other down payment options. They have mortgage products and and flexible credit parameters that's uh, that can help folks get into homes. And that's why it's important that you got to shop around. You know, you got to do homework before you get out there and start trying to uh, get out in the home buying process. At TD, at our bank, we've got a huge emphasis on financial education. 
So we offer like a lot of free resources around home buying. We try to help folks understand how they need to budget and save and build their credit up, uh, you know, to be able to get themselves ready for a home. And to be quite honest, we've got to do more of this type of um, outreach in the financial industry to be more inclusive for all financial products and services. So you described uh, down payment and and credit score, I guess, as two major obstacles. And you started to outline some ways to fix that. I guess that's alluding to my next question. So like, how do we solve for those issues, those hurdles? Like what can lenders do to increase home ownership in these communities? Okay. Well, first I think they should start hiring more people of color in the industry. You know, it's important for the mortgage industry to understand that we have to reflect the communities that we live in and work in and that we want to do business in. So, you know, if we further diversify the mortgage sales force, that can, you know, be a great path to try to help pull some of those folks along. And this is something that TD Bank has done and, and we're continuing to do this. I mean, for a lot of different reasons, you know, folks know that you feel comfortable uh, drawing people with business who, who look like you and sound like you and who understand what you're going through. So I think that if we want to earn folks business, we have to make them feel comfortable and to let them know that we're here for them. Okay, the second piece that I think that we should do is just create enhanced products uh, to be more inclusive of unserved segments. You know, there's a lot of different products out there, but the question you have to ask yourself, do they reach the markets that you want to lend in? At TD, we have TD Home Access Mortgage, and it's designed to create home ownership opportunities for Black and Hispanic uh, people. We have a $10,000 lender paid credit. You know, that means they don't have to pay it back. It's a lender paid credit for purchase transactions that they can apply for uh, closing costs and down payment assistance. And those are like two of the major areas that we already talked about that can be roadblocks for, for home ownership, particularly for Black communities. Uh, and, and for a TD Home Access Mortgage, we also you know, offer more flexibility with the DTI, which is a debt, debt to ratio income. And we expand our underwriting requirements as well as our credit parameters. And that increases accessibility for the product. So, you know, we, we've also looked across our other suites of products and made enhancements to make sure that we're being thoughtful and inclusive when we try to earn business uh, from our customers. The, the last part of that is I think that and then I said this before is that, you know, providing the financial education resources. I was just going to so, ask about that. Yeah, yeah. So that customers know how to prepare for the buy a home and not just understand exact how to prepare and buy it, but to understand the responsibility that also comes along with home ownership. You know, the maintenance that you have to do on the homes, if you have the yards, the lawn work, the things that come along with that. You just don't get into a home and it fixes itself. So that educational piece is really interesting. And I guess for education to provide its full value, you have to meet people where they are. Like what channels do you use to be able to communicate some of those lessons that you just described? So, like I said before, we have we have the lender resources. We do a lot of outreach. We do uh, realtor events where we go out and educate mm -hmm. the realtors on the uh, products and programs that we have. Um we have, you know, our uh, other facets of when we bring the whole breadth of TV together, we have uh, uh, outreach from other areas that are constantly in the communities and letting folks know that we're there for them. So we're, we're, we're getting it done. Got it. Um, we're getting near the end of our conversation. I have, I have one last question for you. So um, you talked about what lenders can do, I guess, to, to expand ownership, but mm -hmm. um, 
one of the things we talk about at Tearsheet is also like, you know, these ecosystems that, that support um, these types of systems. So like what other stakeholders need to be at the table to increase home ownership opportunities in communities of color? Okay. I think that's a great question. I mean, at the end of the day, I think the federal government has done what it can, but we got to do more work at the local level. Local. You know, yeah. yeah, local level. We have to get those stakeholders engaged, um, you know, because they are very helpful and play a key role in have, having, you know, help navigate the challenges of home ownership rates for people of color. You know, so it's not just uh, lenders, but it's also community partners, housing advocates, uh, solve for this. Now, you know, right now, the TD is involved in a recently launched initiative called Convergence Philadelphia, and that's being led by the Mortgage Bankers Association. And it works collaboratively to address the barriers for home ownership for blacks in, in Philadelphia. Uh, we're proud. Of, yeah, that's what I'm that's what I, it is. That's what I'm talking about. I love it. And uh, TD Bank is just proud to serve as one of the uh, three cornerstone partners for Convergence Philadelphia. This work, it aligns with, you know, our, our ongoing commitment to find meaningful and equitable resources to accelerate home ownerships for Blacks, um, you know, individuals and their families. So at the end of the day, Convergence gives us the opportunity to, to, to you know, collaborate with all types of stakeholders, local government, um, other uh, MI companies, um, other lenders, nonprofits. I mean, you know. They're, they're really getting it done to try to get all of these uh, key stakeholders together to collaborate to create long-term sustainable impact, you know, on keeping families in their homes, which is a pivotal part in the journey to building generational wealth and enjoying, you know, a secure financial future. At the end of the day, Zach, you know, we, we just have to remember what homes mean to people. You know, for, for most people, it's, it's going to be the biggest investment in their lives. You know, it can be a roof over their head. A means to fund their kids' education, you know, provide passive income for investments to build a business, uh, fund retirement, your elder pay for your elder care, and then you'll ultimately provide their generational wealth to the heirs. And and home, the homes are there to help people through every major event in their lives. I know that, and I enjoy helping people, and that's why I'm in the business. I'm passionate about the business, invested in it, and probably will retire in this business because home ownership changes lives, and I just want to be a part of it. 